Hello everyone and welcome to Fortress Survival Motivational Mornings. I record three to five of these short videos each week and I feature them on my Instagram channel at Fortress Survival and I also upload them onto the Fortress Survival YouTube channel which you can find in the show notes of this podcast. Each week I'll compile the audio versions of the videos and post them in between the regular bi-weekly podcasts, depending on the workload and other requirements. Please enjoy and let me know if there are other topics that you would like to hear. Alright, so let's talk about uh, some topics relating to food. And uh, I've got three big topics and we'll see um, if I can fit each one into its own video or if I'll end up having to break some of them down like I did with camping. Um, <clears throat> but thoughts on food. So if you are relying on your food stores for any kind of long-term solution, then you are probably setting yourself up for failure. Um, your long-term stores and like, <coughs> excuse me, got a little tickle in my throat today. Your long-term stores um, should probably be built up to about two years. <clears throat> and I say two years because from my perspective, the food stores that you have are to get you till the next harvest season. And I say two years because sometimes you have a really crappy harvest season, right? And hopefully you don't have two in a row because then you're sort of lucky, S-O-L, for those of you who know what that stands for. So. <clears throat> Um, so if you're doing food stores, I recommend about two years. But the, again, the whole purpose of the two-year food store is to get you through your harvests, right? And then you want to harvest at least enough for the next year. So how do you do that? <clears throat> how do you produce food? So basically that's what you're harvesting, right? Food that you've produced in one form or another. I am not at all an expert in this and I'm not even going to speak to it other than just mentioning um, there is foraging. So the ability to walk out into nature, to walk out into a place and just get food <clears throat> in that area. That's probably something that I need to practice a little bit more of. So if you haven't done that, that might be something you're interested in. <clears throat> the more realistic one for me is gardening, right? Having a garden. And I'm gonna do a YouTube video on this shortly because we got our raised beds put in finally. Uh, getting our aquaponics set up here very shortly. And uh, hang on, I'm gonna let this semi in. <clears throat> and so, doing uh, gardening is one of the best ways to produce your own food. But it does take either a, uh, a good high yield crop uh, to produce a year's worth of garden and, and unless you have a really big space. Um, or it takes a lot, a lot of space, right? So you either need like really dense foods or a lot of space to produce enough just on that. So the other things you can do are fishing, hunting, and trapping. But I wanna spend just a few minutes talking a little bit more about gardening. So <clears throat> I really like the idea of permaculture. I know very little about it, other than what I've heard people talk about. So one of those knowing what you know things, I don't know anything about permaculture. I've heard about it, I've heard people discuss it, I know people that are very successful with it, and I really like the idea of it. <clears throat> now my wife is big into growing, big into gardening, big into plants, she had a garden center for years, and uh, so she really likes all that stuff, and so <clears throat> that is part of what she is doing right now. But I got raised beds set up for her, so we have three eight by 16 foot raised beds, use uh, railroad ties and put um, liners in there so the creosote doesn't sink into the soil. We're currently cooking them, because the soil that I filled them with 
um, had other stuff growing in it, so we gotta kill all that stuff first, and I didn't wanna use chemicals. So we're cooking it with black visqueen. I will show that to you on the video I do on uh, YouTube coming up here in the next week or so. And then um, <clears throat> we'll start planting in that. And then I have a couple of other, almost like little uh, maybe flower garden type setups. My wife tells me they're not raised beds because they're not high enough. But on the front of my kennel, I have two uh, growing spaces that we set up uh, so that we can also be growing some stuff there. Uh, but they're not raised up as much as the raised beds are, right? And then the other thing we're getting ready to look at doing, uh, which I still kind of include in gardening, although trees, I know technically that's a different thing. Um, <clears throat> but we're gonna be uh, putting in cocktail trees uh, for citrus, because we're in Florida, so citrus grows really good. So our cocktail trees will have grapefruit, orange, lemons, uh, and I'm sure a couple of other things that my wife is uh, really keen on. Um, so we'll have uh, three to five of those, and then avocados are a great one. It grows good here in Florida. <clears throat> We're gonna be putting those in. We actually have two in pots. We just gotta get those in the soil. And uh, we gotta figure out where we're gonna put them exactly. And then the other one that we're going to do is bananas. And I'm not a huge fan of bananas as it is right now. Um, they're real high sugar and that doesn't work well for my diet. But <clears throat> if there is no other food production around, um, they're a very good way to get calories. Um, and banana trees grow really well in Florida. And then also maybe some date trees, and, and uh, maybe even a coconut tree or two, depending. I have to look a little bit more into those and see how feasible those are uh, for us in our area. But I like coconut, real coconut, not the, the processed stuff in the stores. Um, coconut milk is really good. Avocados are a really high density food, and once the tree starts to produce, it produces a lot. Um, so that could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on whether you're eating it or not. Be careful if you have animals, uh, anything with a large pit, a peach, an avocado, anything like that. Um, if dogs ingest those, they can be dangerous for them. They can create blockages. And I'm sure if other animals ingest them too. So just be aware of that. Be cautious where you put them based on that. So that's one of the things we're trying to figure out uh, is where to put it, our avocado trees where it'll be the least dangerous to the dogs getting one and ingesting it. <clears throat> so. Gardening, things to think about when you're gardening. Number one, make sure you get things that can reproduce their own seeds for next year, right? So if you get tomato seeds from the store, save some seeds from those tomato seeds and plant them the next year. This is something that you're gonna have to practice with and see if those plants produce more tomatoes, right? Some of the seeds that are sold, and I've heard that there, it's lots of them, but I have regrown a lot of tomato plants that produce tomatoes from regular tomato plants that I have just purchased off the store shelf. They're not heirloom, they're not anything special, and they still produce tomatoes. I've gotten tomatoes from the grocery store or peppers or whatever and grown them and they produce peppers and tomatoes and things like that just fine. So some of them do just fine, but others I'm sure do not because I don't think it's just an old wives tale, but you need to know, right? Again, knowing that you know. So you wanna make sure that the seeds that you have will produce more plants next year that actually produce more seeds and more fruit or vegetables, right? <clears throat> so things to be aware of. Heirloom supposedly will always do this. However, some things that you grow, um, you either harvest the vegetables or you harvest the seeds, but you can't get both typically or sometimes. Be aware of that. Some things you have to plant and just let them quote, go to seed and then you save those seeds for the next year. 
And then over in another spot, depending on whether they're air pollinated or not, you have the things that are actually producing the food that you're going to eat and store and save, right? So be aware of those things. Um, there are hybrid and non-hybrid seeds. So hybrid is different than GMO and a lot of people confuse these two. Hybrid just means somebody took two plants that are interbreedable, okay? So they, they are close enough together that they can be pollinated, cross-pollinated. They're interbreedable and they've produced a fruit and usually that is reproducible year after year. <clears throat> Although sometimes I'm sure you get sterile versions of things. That's called hybrid. Um, I don't know that I fully agree with what they're saying there in terms of calling it a hybrid because I think species, anything interbreedable is a kind and I think it's fine to do that. <clears throat> but some people think that that's a problem and they don't like it. That's different than GMO. GMO is genetically modified organism. That's what GMO stands for. And so GMO crops mean that they've used a virus because that's how you modify genes. They have used a virus to modify specific parts of genes in the plants to do specific things. So GMO corn, for instance, a lot of it produces a pesticide that kills, uh, I forget what they call it, a, a corn worm or a corn bug that kills corn, it eats corn. And so rather than spraying the corn all the time and spending all the money on the chemicals and all that kind of stuff, they have modified genetically the corn to produce the chemical within itself that kills the animals that eat it so that they don't have to do that. <clears throat> they do the same thing with soy and a lot of other things. Soy actually, um, they set up the soy where it is resistant to a Roundup. There's an actual chemical term for that. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. But they can just go down and spray the soy with Roundup and it doesn't kill it, right? So they can kill basically everything else that would grow around it, but the soy plants themselves grow, my opinion, that's probably not healthy to put in your body. Either all the chemicals that they spray, even though they say it breaks down in a couple days, I don't believe that either. Or the fact that inside that plant is some modification to its genetic structure that allows it to be resistant to that chemical, right? I think that's probably going to come back being really <clears throat> bad uh, in the future as well. So be aware of those things. Do whatever you want to do. I don't care. It's just those are things to consider when you're growing your crops. <clears throat> Get out there. Have a garden. Even if it's really small. If you're in an apartment, have a window box. Do something. Start growing something now so that you can learn all the ins and outs and you don't have your first major learning curve when you fail on your first year of trying to grow a garden when you're relying on that to eat it when the time comes. Hopefully it's been helpful. Train hard. Stay safe. Be prepared. So let's talk about patrolling your perimeter. <clears throat> so this uh, is another exercise that you can do, that you uh, probably should do uh, before it's a situation where you're truly concerned about it. So whether you live uh, in a city, like in an apartment, or even in a suburb near the city, uh, and it's a situation with riots and things like that, which are still actively going on in some cities, or whether you live out in the country and, uh, and you're concerned about something like either um, criminal activity, um, which could be happening at pretty much any time, uh, or you're concerned about you know some big breakdown coming, some semi-economic collapse, something like that, where crime rates skyrocket. So I don't really uh, envision personally that we're gonna have some uh, end of the world as we know it, Tio Tawaki, 
uh, shit hits the fan. I mean, I guess you could say shit hits the fan depending on <clears throat> whatever happens. But total collapse. I do not see a total collapse. Uh, you rarely have seen any kind of total collapses in modern history, meaning in the last like 100 years, right? We, we generally don't have total collapses. Even uh, like when we were in Iraq, Afghanistan was kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, kind of a tribal thing anyway. Um, so they were living very tribalistically. The only reason they had power and things like that uh, in the first place was because the Russians came and put it in. And then when the Russians left, they ripped it all down. So um, they just kind of went back to the way they already were. So I don't really consider that one a collapse. Uh, in Iraq, even when everything was broken down, there was still power in the cities, uh, that sort of thing. There may, of course, be power outages to uh, the outlying areas and, and no infrastructure to fix it. Um, but in general, <clears throat> your, you know, your true essential activities, right? Um, in general, they're maintained some kind of a governmental system to take care of the absolute essentials that mostly that they need, but then that everybody else that's at least that's near them gets as part of the process, right? And electricity is one of those, unless there's some like big EMP or something like that, which is a possibility. But if that's what you're uh, considering, you live way out, Typically, if you live way out, you have a little bit bigger piece of property and you also, um, you know, have more of a remote situation to deal with, right? So we're going to go through each of those real quickly. But you should be running these drills. At, at least you should be running them mentally and then you should go out and actually walk your space um, and be like, okay, if there was a threat there, what would I do? If there was a threat there, what would I do? How do I monitor these spaces? <clears throat> what do I do if we're getting attacked from these directions, right? Are there things that I would want to set up now? And are there things that I would want to set up down the road, right? And by that, I mean some, some things you could set up that would uh, limit access to your property are not legal, right? Because they would cause injury to people coming onto your property. So that is not something you should be doing now. But there may potentially uh, be a situation where really legal is no longer a concern, right? It's much more of a concern that we survive, that you know we're good to go. And because um, the cops aren't going to come out here to help us out anyway uh, because they're overwhelmed and they're in the high population areas, something like that. And uh, that's a possibility. And so then you go, I don't really care. <clears throat> right? You can start setting up dead drops, booby traps, things like that. Um, but you can, there's lots of things that you can do that aren't harmful as well. So you should start going through those things, right? Looking at the Special Forces Survival Manual. Uh, they cover a lot of those types of things. There's some um, uh, CIA manuals that have been released that are no longer classified uh, that have a lot of good information on those sorts of things. Um, there's, there's different things you can find. You can be creative. Uh, but you need to actually go out and walk your space and start thinking about these things. If you're just sitting in a chair going through it, um, the benefit is significantly reduced, right? That's better than nothing. But when you go out and actually start walking the ground, wherever that ground is, whether you're on the 12th story of an apartment building and you're going, okay, so how do I make sure that the people right outside the entryways to my apartment, that I can you know, monitor that, right? Maybe not control it because it's probably a, like a public hallway, um, but how do I monitor it so I can see if there's a threat there or not a threat there? <clears throat> do you want to use cameras? Do you have a little peephole? What are the strengths of a people? What are the weaknesses of a people, right? If somebody's waiting there to uh, try and kill you because they don't care who's behind the door, they just want what you have, 
they wait for the peephole to get dark, meaning you're looking through it and blam, shoot around through it, right? So peepholes have their place and they also have uh, bad things. Peepholes can also, there are little devices that you can put on a peephole and it changes the magnification, the way the light transfers through and they can look in, right? So normally if somebody tries to look uh, into your uh, room or your house with your peephole on the door, they can't see anything, but there are devices and they're not expensive, 15, 20 bucks, and they go right over it and then they can look in and they can see what's in there just like you could see out, right? So be aware of those sorts of things, having a little thing that hangs down in front. Um, so they're these little, they're like on a little nail and they swing down and hang in front of it and then you just rotate it out of the way. Things like that. Go out and walk your hallways. Think to yourself, this is how I always evaluate these processes. If I was going to attack me, what would I do? If I was going to try to steal my stuff, what would I do? If I was going to ambush myself, what would I do? <clears throat> right? So when we were in Bogota, every building, at least every building that we were in, I'm sure there were like really run down buildings where they didn't do this, but all of the like even low middle class and up uh, type buildings all had like essentially a 24 hour security. They were locked. They had to either know you or you had to present an ID card to get in the building. You had complex keys. They didn't use the standard keys. They were like four-way pick keys or like anti-picking keys. Uh, so they're very difficult to gain entry with. I've never seen keys like that anywhere else that I've been, but it's essentially like a key with, with a cross uh, mechanism that had the keyways on them and, and those were how you open your doors. Um, they were highly designed to keep people from getting in who weren't supposed to be there, right? Because in Bogota, it's one of the more stable places in Colombia. However, the issue they have there is very high crime rates, right? So it's not so much a problem of the cartels being there per se anymore, because the US helped to push most of those out of the real populated cities. So they've gotten that largely under control, <clears throat> at least compared to what it was. Now it's a kidnappings, um, you know, just robberies, crimes, home invasions, that sort of thing, okay? And those are your big problems. So security, 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 right? And they live that every day. Even though they have a job to go to and all that other kind of stuff, there are so many people who don't that they've always gotta be watching themselves. And if you look at a lot of these videos where people get attacked, people get ambushed in their vehicles, things like that, most of that stuff is happening in like South America and places like that. Okay, and they're, they they design these little attacks to sneak in when the doors open while you're driving your vehicle in, right? Before it closes and things like that. So these are the things you think about. If I was going to attack me, what would I do? And then you develop countermeasures to that, right? Your countermeasure can be, I just wanna see if it's happening so that I can do something about it. Maybe your countermeasure is, I actually have things in place that you get hurt if you try that. Right? One of the things that they did in Iraq and in Guatemala when I was there was they would there were walls everywhere, like everybody's house had a wall around it. And when they were building the walls, on top of the walls they would take glass bottles, because most of their drinks still came in glass bottles. They would they would shatter the top of the bottle so that it was sharp on top. They would save all those shattered pieces. They would take the portion, the bottom portion that was still intact, but with the sharp tops, they would embed those into the concrete when it was still wet all along the top of the concrete wall. 
And then once it dried, they took all of the shards, the glass shards that were still left, and they just sprinkled it along the top of the walls. Now, is that foolproof? No, but it's pretty effective, right? It takes some work to get over that wall. It makes it a lot easier than just having a wall with nothing on top of it, right? <clears throat> and it was cheap, and it was something that they had readily available almost all the time. So those are the things that we need to start thinking about. What things do you want to use that won't be readily available? And what things can you modify that will be readily available in those times, okay? Maybe you wanna start getting the things that you wanna use that won't be readily available, get those and store them now. And if those things are impractical, you can't do it, then start thinking about things that you can do down the road, right? Start thinking about what kind of things might I wanna put in, the play, in place, like uh, conibear traps, really, really effective. <clears throat> right now, you have to have a bunch of them if you're gonna do that, but if there's a high traffic area, where people come on your property and you don't want people coming on your property, do not do this if rule of law is in effect because you will be prosecuted. But if that's no longer a concern for you, you put some heavy duty conibear traps in place, cover them up with some leaves, you step in those things, your ankle is done. You are, you're gonna be crippled, right? So um, there are lots of things that you can do, but you have to get out and walk your property. You have to get out, and by property, I mean your surrounding area, your apartment complex, right? Evaluate it from entry to the building, evaluate it from entry to your apartment, and evaluate it from entry around. <clears throat> so how might the entire building be compromised, right? Fire, things like that, okay? Um, like what kind of lower floor window security is there on this building? Do they have shadow resistant glass? so that they can't just throw torches or Molotov cocktails or whatever in the building and catch the whole building on fire. And now you set yourself up good, but the entire building is compromised because they were able to access the lower levels. And if that's the case, do you wanna recommend changes? Do you maybe even wanna fund some changes? Um, or do you wanna to move to another building that has better security, <clears throat> right? Because as much as we like to say, get out of the populated areas, get out of the populated areas, and I'll address this in its own video, that's not always a possibility for everybody. And guess what? There are people who survive in the cities. There were tons and tons of people in Baghdad, right? Baghdad was a very extremely high crime rate area. I mean, there were, every day, there were 20 to 50 murders that were, like we would just find them on the streets, shot in the head, right? Like huge reprisal killings, all this kind of stuff going on all the time. Guess what? probably, if I had to guess, 500,000 people still live there. Maybe more. Maybe it was a little less. I don't know. I'm not good at judging population. But it was a crap ton of people. Baghdad's a big city. Okay? Bigger than Orlando, which is where I'm at now. So, and there were tons of people. They were living their lives. They were operating. Was it hard? I'm sure it was. But it didn't mean that they didn't do it, right? So if that's where you find yourself, you don't just go, oh, I give up and quit and die. Right? You just, you figure out how to live there. Is it better to live out in the country? Maybe, probably, it depends. So <clears throat> there's not always a right answer to everything. It depends on how things go and what the population situation is and the government situation and how everything is actually falling out. But um, go walk your perimeter, think about how you would attack it, ask other people that you trust, how would they attack it and start working out defensive plans for that. What can you do now that's legal and uh, that maybe requires electricity and things like that, cameras, motion sensors, all that kind of stuff, and then go through and say, now, what would I do if 
rule of law has broken down. Hopefully that's been helpful for you. Remember, train hard, stay safe, be prepared. Hey everybody, welcome to Fortress Survival. I'm Joel and today I wanted to talk, I'm actually gonna record two things here back to back, but I'll post them one each day. And um, was again, listening to Pastor Joe Fox, he's got some good stuff, I really like his thought process. He's a former Special Forces guy, by the sound of it, Vietnam era, uh, Special Forces guy. Uh, my mentor, when I first learned to train dogs, uh, was the same thing. He was Marine Corps, but <clears throat> ended up going into some of the Special Forces um, arenas, areas, things like that. And uh, got a guy walking on the edge of his semi, barely off the white line. And so uh, I really appreciate his approach. I like how he talks. He's very upfront, straightforward. <clears throat> Since I beat around the bush so much, you know, it's nice to get that influence bring it back into where I should be. My wife is rolling her eyes at me. It's the best. Alright, so, what do I want to talk to you about? First, pets slash animals. And secondly, some of the areas that people lie to us about all the time. <clears throat> and lie to ourselves about, meaning you may find yourself lying to yourself about this. And they're related. So, First, animals and pets. <clears throat> if you believe hard times are coming, and I don't mean like a hurricane, although this would apply in hurricanes, fires, tornadoes, earthquakes, all that as well. One of the things you need to prepare yourself for is how are you gonna feed your animals? <clears throat> now I use animals in the broad sense, but a lot of people have pets, lots. Most of you listening to this probably have pets. Most of the people who might listen to this down the road probably have pets. <clears throat> and you probably really like your pets. And many of you would say, I love my pet. Do you have food and any other supplies that you need for your pet on hand? Do you include them in your preparations. I don't mean sit them down at the table and say, what would you like to do? No, do you include them? When you're buying food, do you buy food for them? When you're checking medical, do you make sure you have the few extra little things that you need specifically for them? Do you have their medications? If you live in Florida, well, a lot of animals live down here with the heartworms and the parasites and the fleas and the ticks and all that. A lot of people live down here, or a lot of animals live down here and just deal with those things, right? But you and your pet will be far more comfortable if you have a moderate supply of things like flea and tick medication, uh, parasite control, things like that. Do you even know how to get it? Do you know what they need? If you're doing medical training, medical you know, learning for your family, for people, are you doing it for your animal? Do you know how to do things like set a bone? Because animals are gonna get injured, especially in something like an earthquake, but animals get injured all the time. Why do you think vet offices stay in business? Can you do some, many, most, all 
of the things that your animal needs. Do you have any animal husbandry skills at all? And if not, if the answer to all those questions was no. I don't have any extra food. I don't have any extra medication. Blah, blah, blah. And you use words like, I love my animal. Stop lying. Either you don't love them and you really don't care about them, which is fine. Teach their own. Or you are including them in your preparations. But it's not both. That's like saying, I love my kids, but I'm not going to give them anything to eat. Now, I do think that most people care way too much about their pets. But whatever. It's your life. I don't have to live it. <clears throat> now, animals in the broader spectrum of things. A lot of people f seem to live their lives with this belief that pets have always been a thing that humans had. And that just means they're ignorant. Ignorant is different than stupid, by the way. Ignorant means you lack information, lack knowledge. Stupid means you're incapable of learning. So, it's ignorant to believe that people have had pets for very long. Now, some people have always had pets. The ultra-wealthy, the kings, the pharaohs, the lords, the thises and the thatses. There have always been some people in the world, or have almost always been some people in the world who did have pets. But it was like a high luxury to be able to have a pet. And even the people who treated their animals a little more pettishly still had purposes for their animals. So you think about, you know, old world England, and this wasn't that long ago, I know. But old world England, you know, Robin Hood era time frame. They're still fighting with swords and horses. And they would have the hounds in the castle. Even though those animals were around them a lot, even though they they pet on them and cared about them a little bit more maybe than other animals, those animals still had a job to do. Right? So when we start thinking about animals outside of the pet arena, animals need a job to justify the food that they're eating, to justify the cost that I'm expending on them. And the fact that we can live right now with enough disposable income to essentially flush it down the toilet on our animals shows what level of luxury we live in. And there are a lot of people who, by American standards, are quote poor, they spend a crap ton of money on animals. And really that's just wasted money. If your animal doesn't have a job. So let's switch into the jobs of some animals, right? Because sometimes, and I get why they use it as a metaphor, sometimes people will use shepherd, sheep, cattleman, cow analogies to describe people, right? They feed you until they lead you to the slaughter kind of a thing. 
Here's the deal. Animals are not humans. <clears throat> None of them. Not even dogs. Dogs are unique to many other creatures. They do things with and for mankind that other creatures don't. I sell dogs. I train dogs. Dogs are a big part of my life. But they're still not humans. And when we attribute human emotions, human qualities to them, that doesn't mean that there's never any overlap. So, you know, there are certain qualities and things of that nature that apply to both humans and animals. But when we apply things that don't exist, that don't apply, which people do all the time, we're doing a disservice to the animals. The animals need a job. So, if I feed sheep, and I deworm them so that they don't suffer and they can maintain their weight. I keep them safe from predators. I do all these things. This is what that sheep owes me. That sheep pays for that in its wool and its meat. And I'm gonna give it the best life it can have within reason. I'm not gonna bring it in my house, but I'm gonna I'm gonna treat that sheep, then protect that sheep, feed that sheep as best I can until the day it's time to cash in. Because sheep are animals, they're not humans. Same thing for cattle, same thing for chickens. Chickens only one of two things you can provide an egg every day, and when you can no longer provide an egg every day, you can provide stew meat. They're chickens. cats. You can work for your food. When the mice come to try and eat our grain, your work is to kill those mice and keep them from eating our grain. Or else you have no purpose and I'm not going to do anything for you. Right? I like to feed my cats, but I don't feed them enough to survive. They have to hunt. <clears throat> and the same thing for the dogs. Dogs need a purpose. Do they provide protection? Real protection? Are they a good alarm? Do they protect your flocks, your other livestock. There's lots of jobs that dogs can have, hunting dogs. But if you have animals that don't have a purpose, why? And I mean, if you want to spend your hard-earned money to build preparations for a creature that has no purpose, no use, that's your decision. But I would encourage you to start thinking practically about animals including the ones that we tend to think of as pets and that doesn't mean that you need to get rid of your pet it means you need to start thinking what job can my pet do how can I start preparing them now to do something that's useful for me when the time comes and if there's nothing they can do then maybe you need to start rethinking that whole situation. All right, so that's my thought on animals. And uh, I'm gonna stop this and start the next recording. So remember, train hard, stay safe, be prepared. Hey everybody, welcome to Fortress Survival. I'm Joel, and my wife just pointed out that I am talking slower than normal and pausing. Part of that's probably because uh, I was just listening a few minutes ago to uh, Pastor Joe Fox, as I mentioned in yesterday's uh, episode, and that's he's with Viking Preparedness, 
highly recommend him over there on Patreon. I think he's got a YouTube channel too. Um, but part of it also is I've been having some kind of, I don't know if it's allergies. I'm starting to think it might be allergies. But I got something that's been going on in my chest and you've noticed I've been kind of <coughs> a lot on some of these things. So I've got a cough drop and I've been sucking a lot on my cough drop. My wife said I was just sucking. She didn't mention the cough drop. She said you were just sucking. I was like, okay. Alright. So, that's one of the things I love about her. She just says exactly what she thinks. You never have to wonder. Is she mad at me? Yep, she's pissed. Is she happy with me? Yep, she's happy. <clears throat> never have to be curious. I, I think she might be upset with me, but I'm not sure. I'm like, what did I do? You sucked. And she tells me exactly what I did. I'm like, good, okay, thanks. Now I know what I did. I might change it, I might not. Oh, look at me. See, I speed up like she tells me to. Start driving 85 miles an hour. Alright, I'm going to try and maintain a safe and legal speed whilst talking to you guys about how big a liars you are. You like that lead in? <clears throat> I do it too. So here's the deal. Let's talk about one of the ways people lie. I mentioned it very briefly in yesterday's video and it's this. And, and I'm going to expand out on this a little bit but this is the area that kind of popped into my head and then I'm like, yeah, we do that with all sorts of things, right? <clears throat> so, if you have an animal that you claim to love and that you don't prepare for, meaning you don't, you're not making sure that the, you're as prepared to take care of the animal as you are to take care of yourself and your family, and then you're lying, so stop it. So if that's you, stop and think about this for a minute. Now, you might be really pissed off at me right now, and that's okay, I don't care. But if, if you're listening to this and you think there's any value in some of the stuff that I'm saying, and if you don't, just stop following me. But if you do, ask yourself or seriously consider what I'm getting ready to say. Saying that you love something and then not doing anything to take care of it is a lie. Because love is not a feeling. Love is not a nicey made that word up by the way love is doing something if I say I love someone and I take care of them then I am being true to the word here's the problem <clears throat> a lot of people will say things like you don't love me when everything and every action that the person does is loving but they don't feel the emotion anymore because they don't know what love is love isn't an emotion there may be an emotional aspect to it sometimes. That's usually infatuation. And that'll come and go. You can be infatuated and then not. Then infatuated again and then not. But love is actions. Doing things. <clears throat> so stop lying. Because here's usually what happens. Some of you are like, ugh, gut punch every time I say that. Good. Because it's real. So here's the deal. Number one, just start being honest with yourself. Because if we're lying about things like that, what happens is we convince ourselves so much of the lie that we believe it to be true. And then we get upset when someone points out to us that it's not. Like some of you probably are right now. You're probably mad. You probably have hurt feelers. And you're like boo-hooing. Because <clears throat> I said you're lying. Because you are you don't like it 
you don't like that idea that you're a liar and that you're lying. First of all, we're all liars. Everybody lies. You shouldn't. Try not to, but everybody does it. So try to do it less. Try to be less sucky. Some of us lie on purpose. Some of us lie on accident. Some of us lie to ourselves so much that we convince ourselves that the lies that we tell ourselves are true. And all of those are bad. The only time that it's okay to lie is to save a life. So, as you're going through these things, be realistic about what you love and what you don't love. And stop being fake to the people around you and in your life. Okay? Don't tell people that are around you that you love them if you don't. Again, love is not an emotion. A lot of times people like somebody and they get an emotionally good feeling about the fact that they like somebody and they say, I love you. And that can be romantic. That could just be good friends. But a lot of times we apply that to somebody who likes us right now. We feel like we're good, quote unquote, good friends. We don't really know that person. But we don't want to acknowledge the fact that we don't have any people we really know. And so we want to pretend that this person that we don't know very well is somebody who's really close to us. Here's the reality of the situation. In five years, almost none of the people you're close to now will still be in your life. Think about it. Five years ago, other than your children, maybe your spouse, brothers and sisters and parents, like family, other than those people, what friends did you have in your life five years ago that are still there? There may be one or two, but I bet the vast majority of them not there anymore. You know what that means? In five years, the people that you feel close to right now won't be there either. The vast majority of them. That doesn't mean none of them will be. It just means stop pretending that shallow relationships aren't shallow. I used to have this thing, I've, I've slacked off it a little bit, <clears throat> but I used to be really hardcore about this. I'd be like, I have about five friends. And even those people that at the time I was doing this that I considered friends, none of them are in my life. But there are about five people that you know I would have given a lot for. I would have, if they had called me, I'd have driven across the country for them, right? And about five. I had a lot of acquaintances. I still have a lot of acquaintances. But I used to be hardcore about, I will not call an acquaintance a friend. Because they're not. A friend is somebody you know. An acquaintance is somebody you've met and interact with occasionally. But we are, we're so desperate for connection with people sometimes that we just immediately start calling people friends. And they're not. At best, they're acquaintances. So if somebody's been in your life, then they're not a family member, 
And you can be friends with family members. I'm not saying family members can't be friends. But people that aren't your family, and they've been in your life for five years, then maybe they're a friend. Because I've had people who've been in my life for five years and they freaking turn on you. So, my policy, I don't trust anyone. I think everybody's going to turn on me. And my experience has been rarely disappointed. And when I am, I'm pleasantly surprised. Because it's nice to be disappointed when you expect somebody to turn on you and they don't. But I'm rarely disappointed. And my wife will be like, I can't believe that person did that. And I'd be like, I can. I'm surprised it took him so long. I expected him to do it sooner. So, just be aware. Be aware of that. It has a lot to do when you come back around to things like building community. Right? Because I expect people to fail me so often. I just like to rip the band-aid off. I go, let's not pretend. I'm going to offend you. I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to do all the things I can do that would make you not want to be around me anymore. And if you still want to be here, okay, I'll at least give you a chance. I still don't trust you. But I'll at least go, well, maybe. Maybe. But the only reason most of the people around you are still around you is because you, you hide who you are from them. Oh no, if they knew who I was, they wouldn't be here anymore. Well then why would you want those people to be around you anyway? If they knew who you were and they would leave, why do you want them around you? Isn't being fake all the time exhausting? It would be for me. It was for me. Because I lived that way for a long time. Not with everybody. Most people I didn't care about. But I lived that way with my first spouse. I was like, oh no, she might not like me. If she knows these things, I'm going to hide. I'm not going to let her know. Now I'm just like, screw it, I don't care. Take it or leave it. That's a hard way to be, and most of you aren't that way. Why not? Are you scared? Are you scared you're gonna be by yourself? Might be. Why is that so scary to you, though? All right, I know. Uplifting, motivational. Stop lying to yourself. Be true to yourself. See what happens. Or are you too scared? Did I hurt your feelers? All right. We'll be a little more practical tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed these motivational morning audio presentations. If there are topics that we have not yet covered that you would like to hear or anything you would like to hear us expound upon, please reach out. You can email me at joel at fortresscanine.com and you can also text me at 813-836-9244. I look forward to hearing your feedback.